Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And if you're a first timer, welcome aboard. Let me do a hard reset for those of you who just stumbled on the show recently. I know we're always getting new listeners and believe it or not, our podcast is approaching the six-year anniversary. So we've been around for a while. Over the six years, we put out at least one show a week, usually more than that. A small sample of our guests over the years include Carlos Correa, George Springer, Jeff Luno, Calvin Murphy, Olympic champion Simone Biles, Kareem Jackson, Dwayne Brown, Tom Herman, Kelvin Sampson, Shaka Smart, national media like Robert Flores, Mina Kimes, and Richard Justice. So you never know who you might hear if you're listening to us on a regular basis, if you're subscribed to us, and we sure hope you do. And if you're wondering about my credentials, I've worked in sports TV and radio for 28 years from sports anchor, reporter, and producer at stations in Missouri, Little Rock, and Memphis to producing a weekly Texans show and Rockets game telecast right here in Houston. These days, I help produce the Inside High School Sports Show on KHOU Channel 11. And Stephen Kerr, who's just joined me as my regular co-host, with me right now. And Stephen, you've been in this business a while too. Yes, I have, Robert. I've been a, a radio broadcaster and sports writer for over 30 years. Uh, a lot of my radio broadcasting hasn't all been in sports, but I've done sports talk radio. Uh, I live in Austin. Uh, I know you live in Houston, but I live in Austin about three hours away. And I've covered UT football and basketball. In fact, I covered uh, UT basketball for UPI for a couple of years. I've covered UT football. And uh, I've covered high school, college, and professional sports for uh, various radio stations here in the Austin area and uh, newspapers and magazines and websites for a number of years. So you're in good hands. We're just not some Joe on the Street podcast. We, we've been doing this for a while, and uh, we got to start off this week. Let's get right going with what's going on in Houston sports. It's been a rough week for Astros fans. Seems like they've all been stuck in their PJs, eating gallons of ice cream and crying about the end of the Tony Kemp era, Stephen. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know about you, Robert, but I'm going to miss those hugs for homers that he was so famous for. But, you know, it's kind of, I think we kind of expected it. His playing time had diminished. And, you know, the big question before the Astros designated him for assignment was, who was going to be you, – you knew it was either going to be Tony Camp or Miles Straw that was probably going to be out of a job. Now, Camp was out of options, so he couldn't have been sent down. Straw could have been sent down, but I guess Straw's – the Astros probably looked at him as having more upside. Of course, you can't uh, downplay the speed factor. And uh, Kemp, you know, he could be a valuable piece in a trade. In fact, Jeff Luno even came out on his uh, weekly roundtables on the Astros radio show. Uh, the pregame show, saying that uh, he was talking to multiple teams about Tony Kemp uh, being in a possible trade. Yeah, and it's not like, I don't think they're going to get nothing for him. We saw this week that Tyler White, uh, you know, he got dealt. If you thought you couldn't get a scrub for Tyler White, Jeff Luno proved you're wrong <laughs> this week because they got Andre scrub. Yeah, I, they got uh, literally a scrub, Andre scrub with two B's on the end. Uh, and, you know, you look at his stats. I mean, he's a, a prospect, of course, in double-A. He was with uh, Tulsa, the uh, Dodgers farm, double-A uh, farm team. He was 6-1 and one with a 2.45 ERA. He was in 29 games. Now, he's mainly a reliever. There were two starts with Tulsa, and the rest were relief appearances. Hey, is it too much the hope or to hope that the Astros may have stolen another gem from the Dodgers like they did Gordon Alvarez? 
Yeah, it's obviously too early to tell, but it begs the question. Hey, we love dealing with the Dodgers. That that's worked out well for us. And and I, I just want to go back to Tony Kemp, though. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting that they could have done that deal where they they sent Miles Straw down, and it, you know that's exactly what I thought they would do because I I figured well, you send uh you know Miles Straw down, he's going to be back up by September. And then, you know, you can do whatever you want to in the playoffs. You can put whoever you want to on the roster. So you're you're open to a lot of different things. But, you know, I, I feel like just Jeff thought, you know, we got to look towards the future. You know, Tony's not going to be here. It's only fair to maybe find him a landing spot. I think he was trying to do maybe a good thing for Tony Kemp. And, you know, the, the, what's amazing with Tony Kemp is I cannot remember. I want you to think about this, Stephen. Is there an Astro bench player that has been more beloved by the fans. I mean, I, I try to think of going, going through guys like Casey Candell or yeah, he would be one. Was he in that category? You think? Yeah, absolutely. Casey Candell was not only a, a versatile utility player, but he was quite popular among the fans. And we're, we're going a little ways back to this. You know, Denny Walling was, was a very valuable member of uh, late seventies, early eighties Astros teams, but yeah, the, the one that I would say, and Casey Candell hadn't been that recent. He's fairly recent, but not within the last five or ten years. But that's really the only one that jumps out at me other than Tony Kemp, especially with the popularity value, not just with the fans, but on the team. I mean, he was very much loved in the clubhouse, too. Yeah, that, to be, that's, I guess, the, the, the clubhouse love. I, I think there were guys on the bench. Uh, wasn't Who was the infielder? Was it Spires? Spires was really loved, too. Bill Spires, yeah, that, that, was, that was another good one. Didn't Tony Kemp, he even had the bobblehead of the hugs for homers, didn't he, this year? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they came out with the bobblehead, so he even had his own bobblehead. That's how popular Tony Kemp was. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, you know, Tony Kemp, just I think the way he always handled himself – he was the guy out there throwing the the Gatorade or the water on the players in the post game uh, uh, interviews with Julie Morales, or you know, he he just was everywhere when you watched what was happening in the celebrations, and he was right in the middle of all of it. You know, the way he carried himself was of, of somebody that kind of knew exactly what his role was, Stephen, and and played to that, you know, perfectly. He was steady. I, I would say he was steady, both in the clubhouse, he was steady on the field. And I must admit, I I was leaning toward sending Miles Straw down. I, I thought that that might be the way they would lean. But really, as I mentioned earlier, his playing uh, Tony Kemp's playing time had decreased. You look at his slash line compared to Straw's, Kemp was batting 227, 308, 417. He had seven homers this year. Now, Straw's sample size, of course, a lot smaller. But he had a 256 batting average in his uh, 376 OBP, a little bit more attractive. But I, I think that ultimately the Astros just believe that he not only has more versatility, but they love that speed. I'd like to see him bunt his way on a little bit more just to utilize it a bit more, even uh, raise the average and, and just get on base as much as possible. He was also, when you look at Tony Kemp, uh, just the last word is just such a social media presence. I mean, he was everywhere on Twitter and Instagram. He was engaging with the fans. I mean, I, I posted, reposted one of his home runs, one of my favorite memories, one of his, or his walk off earlier this year, and, and Tony Kemp liked it. Uh, so I mean, that tells you, you know, how much he was out there. You know, I saw this week that somebody did a gender reveal on the field, 
at Minute Maid Park. I don't know how the whole thing was set up, but there's Tony Kemp uh, helping out with the gender reveal as they throw the baseball that's filled with whatever blue or pink and it, and it pop, pops with powder and it's a oh, you know, yeah. boy or girl type thing. So uh, just, I mean, the, just every which way that he could engage with the fans and, and the players on the field. I mean, he was the perfect modern ball player, bench player, uh, super sub. He was that kind of guy. Yeah. There's definitely going to be a big hole where Tony Kemp once was on this team. And, you know, just thinking about this, Robert, in the last couple of weeks, the Astros have gotten rid of the player that was most despised, Tyler White, and the player that was most beloved, Tony Kemp. They're both gone. Both, both the opposites are gone. So now what? It's the yin and the yang. <laughs> That's it. That's about right. <laughs> well, before we get into my Astros concerns for this one, and we're going to talk some Texans later too, so if you're a Texans fan, stay tuned. But you know, I'm going to be Peggy positive for just a second. And it's just nice when your team has, all right, two Cy Young candidates for Lander and Cole, an MVP candidate, Springer, a possible rookie of the year, Jordan, a potential batting champ, Brantley, and the second best record in baseball, even though right now it seems like they don't have a fourth and fifth starter or they, ha- they hadn't had their MVP caliber shortstop for two months. And thankfully, though, Correa... He returned with a bang this week, though, Stephen. Well, you know, now that you're talking about that, maybe Jeff Luno's right. Maybe they can win a seven-game series with any team, with the, the team they have now. Why do we need to go get another starting pitcher or another reliever? No, I, it's good to see them playing better. And, and I think, as we've mentioned before, getting these players back healthy, you know, Springer, Correa, Altuve, some of these guys, it is definitely starting to make a difference. You know, Carlos Correa hitting that grand slam in the Cardinals series the other day. Springer, he, he got a leadoff homer in the final game on Sunday against the Cardinals. So when, when the offense is really clicking is when the Astros are making those pitchers work. And they, they started doing that more lately. Yeah, they kind of stumbled on uh, Friday night, the first night of the Cardinals series, when Jose Urquidy pitched a great game and uh, kind of went off or not because the offense left some chances on the base pads. But yeah, you have to say that right now, the way you put it, I'm hooked. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the, the concerns, though, of course, are still with the pitching and the lack of depth and just some of the injuries that have been taking place the last few weeks. Jordan just is still ridiculous. Yuli keeps pumping away and just hit after hit. Altuve keeps uh, looking like the old Altuve. He's, you know, rocket his average up from the 230s, and he's closing in on – 300 really fast as we're as we're speaking on Sunday night um, you just look Springer's doing you know like the leadoff home run he's doubles and triples and everything the last couple of days uh, the only guy of the big guys really struggling Alex Bregman he had the day off and he desperately needs some day off days off he had the day off on Sunday and he looks exhausted the last few weeks he slumped at the plate seems like He's made more throwing mistakes than usual. His clutch hitting this year has been awful. He was one of the best clutch hitters on the Astros the last couple of years, but this year it's not the same. And now that Correa and Diaz are back, Steven, you know, you got to give this guy a rest. I'm begging AJ Hinch. And how about, how about giving Carlos Beltran's phone number to Bregman so he can get some of that Yuli medicine? Hey, that's what I'm thinking. And you know, the other thing too is, the Astros have had to lean on Alex Bregman probably more 
than most of the regular starters. If you think about it, as we mentioned, you know, with, with uh, Correa being out, Diaz, you know, Bregman is, really hasn't been able to have a day off. I don't know, what is it, 90? Not, maybe not quite 90 games, but it, it's like several months that he hasn't even had an off day because he's had to play this position and play that position. That, you know, that's the other thing, Robert, is he's had to move around the field a bit more than a lot of the other guys, too. So I think really his slump is as much about that he's just worn down because he's had to play so much and because he's, he's had to move around the infield as much as anything else. So, yeah, I think some rest will do him good. We've got those off days. Got another one on Monday. Uh, had one this past Thursday. So hopefully that will get Bregman going. And as far as Yuli Gurriel, you know, I love what he's doing. But I'm also thinking, hey, Yuli, make sure you have some of that gas in the tank when the playoffs come because we're, we're sure going to need your bat when the postseason gets here. Yeah, I just figured it was going to be a streak, but now it might not be an accident anymore. Now he might just be one of the best hitters in baseball, period. That's right. Uh, and with all due respect to Spider-Man Reddick, who we all love, uh, Josh Reddick, his OPS in July it's around 534, his average near the Mendoza line. He's regressing to the mean of the 263 hitter that he is. And Steven, he needs to be splitting time with Marisnik at this point a little bit more. I'd say throw Miles Straw in that mix, but I like having the flash as a weapon late in games. Yeah, I'd have to say, yeah, Marisnik. I, I wish Marisnik was a more consistent hitter, though. I mean, his, his defensive skills in the outfield, almost unparalleled. Uh, you know, he got off to a fast start, too, like Reddick did, and it's kind of been up and down. But he, he still can get you the power when he needs it. And as far as Reddick, when, when he was having that good start to the year, I was I was glad for it, but I was also going, yeah, but you know the kind of hitter that Josh Reddick is. He is going to climb back or kind of fall back down a bit, which he's done. Yeah, you look at those two guys, and, and there's not a big difference between them offensively. And with such a small difference offensively, and the difference that it is having Marisnik in center and Springer in right, as good of a right fielder defensively as Josh Reddick is. I mean, Springer can cover more ground with his speed. Uh, you got Marisnik, who's better defensively in center field than Springer, as good as, as George Springer is. It feels like, you know, at least let him split time at this point, uh, as opposed to, you know, Reddick seems to get, you know, four out of every five or six out of every seven games. Now, let's not forget, though, Reddick has not been bad defensively. He's made some spectacular catches oh, no. in right field. So he, he can definitely he, – he's very good, I think, at tracking the ball. He, he seems to really know how to track the ball. He may not have the speed of Marisnik, but I think his outfield instincts are really good. He, he's made some catches that have just been unbelievable that most outfielders probably wouldn't make. Yeah, I, and my only point is just I think uh, Springer's really good in right field defensively too, but Marisnik – is an upgrade because I think that guy is, he's one of the best oh, yeah. fielders I've ever seen. Uh, he's a vacuum out there. And speaking of vacuums or vortexes or the, or, <laughs> or whatever, are, are you getting sucked in by the Urquidy vortex after a couple of nice starts? <laughs> well, I have to say it's, it's better than when the pitching staff in that fourth and fifth slot were just getting obliterated a few weeks ago. Even Urquidy got off to a kind of a shaky start. You had, Corbin Martin there, and you had a couple other guys in there that, that were trying. So, hey, two great starts in a row by Urquidy. I'll take it. it. You know, he wasn't the reason that the Astros lost that first game in the Cardinals series. He, he pitched well enough to win. But the offense leaving the bases loaded, 
that that was a big problem there. And then, of course, the bullpen caved in. And Ryan Presley, I mean, you, you think that it, you had to think that he's still got something going on with that knee after he got hit because he certainly didn't look like the Ryan Presley we've been used to seeing all year. Yeah, you led me right into this because there's been this laser-like focus for the last couple of months on dealing for a starter in the trade market. And we'll know by Wednesday, maybe earlier if that's happened, Stephen. But I've honestly done a 180 on the Astros' priorities over the last week or two. Yes, they badly need a starter, but you can make that argument that the issue and the issue number one is that relief pitching because you know they're looking at shelving their bullpen ace Ryan Presley right now. That's that's not a joke. Uh, he's your best guy, your your most solid guy. Josh James and Brad Peacock having arm trouble. Uh oh. Harris and Rondon have come down to earth. Osuna looks shaky. He's given up. Uh, let's see a run in five of his last seven starts. McHugh's been bad this year. And if Luno doesn't add to the bullpen in the next four days, I think it's a massive failure. Well, and the other thing you have to be concerned about is in mid-August, the Astros are going to have another long stretch. They're going to have 17 consecutive games, no off day. So you can't really do the four starters thing very effectively if you're going to be playing that long. So, yeah, I think it's imperative that they do something, whether it's add another starter or certainly get a reliever. And, you know, there, there just aren't a lot of great relievers floating around. It's both. It's both. Yeah, it's both. It, it definitely is both. I, I'm at, at this point, I am convinced they need two guys, not just one guy. And, and it's not even about the, you know, postseason anymore. They just need to get, get them a starter to get them to the finish line. And they might need somebody in the bullpen to get them to the finish line. But, you know, the bullpen, I think, is more imperative at this point in the playoffs because I think we dismissed the fact that, Look, Wade Miley has turned into a darn good star. He's his ERA is right there at the top of the uh, whole all of baseball right now. He's right there with uh, what uh, what uh, Garrett Cole's doing and what Justin Verlander's doing. So you know it's it's not like you've got this really weak uh, third starter. If you got three starters that are you know three of the best in your league going into the playoffs, you're in pretty good shape. But the bullpen. I mean, I don't know who you trust, who you can depend on, who's going to be healthy when the playoffs roll. That is no joke. And what a a super deep bullpen. Say everybody gets back and gets healthy and gets it rolling. Well, good, because, you know, if you've got a deep bullpen, you know, we've seen the Yankees do this. We've seen the Royals do this and win World Series over the last few years. Uh, even though the Astros didn't do it because it was the opposite, they were they were making starters into the, into bullpen guys. But you can you can ride that bullpen in those games where your starter's not going to give you more than four or five innings, or maybe he's going to struggle struggle in those games that you, you're not throwing a Verlander or Cole or or even a Wade Miley. So uh, yeah, it's and 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 look, the other thing is, and we got to get into this too, Stephen. Is look at what's going on with the with the market right now because. Just as you and I came on, Marcus Stroman, who's been the conversation this whole last few months, and maybe Jeff Luno sat on his hands way, way too long on this situation. He's now with the Mets. And the Mets, if they're doing that, they're not selling off on Syndergaard. So that means he's off the market. They're more in buy mode, it sounds like to me, unless unless this is like some weird thing where they're, they're, they think they could get a ton for Syndergaard and, and they just like making Strom and his replacement. But 
you know, I don't know what's out there for the for the. Let, let's go through some of the options. Well, yeah, you mentioned Stroman and going to the Mets. Uh, you know, that's been kind of talked about for the last few days, but I didn't really think that it would happen. I, I did, but you know, and the Mets also want to try to resign Zach Wheeler, and I'm thinking, well, if you trade someone like Noah Syndergaard, if I were Zach Wheeler, why would I want to resign with you? If I think you're in rebuilding mode, so yeah, things have definitely changed. And even since I was putting this list together of who's out there for the Astros, although I didn't have Marcus Stroman on my list for the Astros, just because there really hasn't been a a lot of buzz as far as the Astros trying to go after him, being really interested in him. But I personally would have liked to have him on the team. I I thought there was buzz. His name was always brought up with the Astros and and, and the trade talks. I mean, all the rumors. Yeah, I mean, and some of the rumors that I've heard, but I just didn't really hear as much as some of the others, like a Zach Wheeler, you know, a Noah Syndergaard, they've definitely been in, in some discussion about that. Madison Bumgarner, I mean, you're talking about, you know, he may not be on the trade market because the Giants are playing so much better lately. And Stroman, uh, not Stroman, but uh, Bumgarner's been pitching a whole lot better lately, too. In fact, in his last six starts, he's got 41 strikeouts, six walks, and a 2.00 ERA. So, you know, there are conflicting reports going on, but he may not be available. Well, what about Zach Wheeler? I mean, now that the Mets have Stroman, are they going to trade Wheeler? Or are they going to try to re-sign him? You know, that's a big question. And, and, and I was always eyeing Tony Watson and Will Smith with, with the Giants as two lefty relievers, and the, the Astros could sure use a lefty reliever. And I know Jeff's talked about wanting to go get one of those type of guys, but yeah, it takes all those guys. Who's left on your, I asked you before, let, let's bring the listeners in on this. I asked you, you know, make a list of the guys that are out there. Who's on your list and, and, and what's their situations? Well, of course, you know, Smith and Watson were probably my biggest relievers and they're, they're still out there at least as we're talking. But uh, as far as starters go, you know, Matt Boyd's been kind of tossed around, but don't know that the, the Tigers are going to, try to do anything with him. I mean, he's, he's six and eight. He's got a 4.07 ERA. I mean, nothing huge, but he is playing for the Tigers too. So there, there's another name that hasn't really been talked about a whole lot. That that's kind of there. It's Robbie Ray. Wonder if the Diamondbacks might be wanting to move him. And he signed a one-year contract this year, uh, just under $7 million. Arizona needs prospects and Ray may not require a top prospect. Like, you know, some of these other names we've been talking about, some of these teams will want somebody like a Kyle Tucker. Well, maybe somebody like a Robbie Ray, they're not going to require a Kyle Tucker, maybe a middle prospect. And the Yankees are reportedly to be interested in him as well. Anybody else? I mean, we're running out of guys right now, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much the, Those are the, the ones on my main list, unless they're just somebody that pops up out of the woodwork that we really haven't thought about. But I had about half a dozen names and half of them were some of the big ones that we've been talking about. Uh, Robbie Ray and Matt, Matt Boyd, I think, would be a good addition to the Astros. I don't know what they're going to do. I, 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 like I said, I think it might be a situation where if, you, if you're not able to get that guy that's that great third starter, get a bullpen guy that's a top-of-the-line guy. And those guys are easier to get. They're cheaper. Uh, there's, there's some bad teams out there that, you know, Definitely could could use some prospects and 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 those are the those are the easier trades to make than these you know frontline starting pitchers. Uh, you're not maybe in a bidding war with teams, 
But, you know, if you look at what the Astros need right now, uh, I mean, it just seems like at least you need a guy that can give you innings to get you through the rest of the year. Even if he's not like that third starter that we all wanted in in a playoff situation, at least a fourth starter and just somebody that could eat innings up the rest of the year. But to me, I, I just the priority is get one of those gas throwers or one of those guys out of the pen that can really help you in the playoffs. Uh, a guy that if, if he's not a one or two, you know, at least a three or four coming out of your pen uh, once you get at the postseason. And just another, you can't have enough arms. Just another arm, somebody else that 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 might be able to help you out. They, they've sort of been ramping up Joe Smith, but it doesn't seem like A.J. Hinch really wants to put a whole lot of stress on him. He's kind of, sort of like he's treating this like a, you know, spring training with with Joe Smith, and it, it's, he's going to start having to be pitched in, in some bigger situations because it it can't all be Rundone and Davinsky and, and Will Harris. These, these guys that you know just they they've been eh, they've been okay. Davinsky not so much, but you know they they've been sort of okay. They're, they're but they're not guys that you're going to trust in, in bigger situations. It looks like what AJ Hinch is doing with Joe Smith is using him in a specialty role with right-handed hitters. And I don't know if a lot of that is just due to the fact that he is just coming back from that injury and A.J. wants to to kind of ease him along a bit and then maybe later in the season, maybe in the postseason. Yeah, that's what, what he that's kind of what he wants to do with him in, in general. But at this point, they're not even doing that. It's he's coming out when blo- he's coming in and it's blowouts. very sparingly. Yeah, pretty much sparing. Of it. That's what I'm saying. I think he's easing him in. Now, going back to what you said about getting bullpen help, you know, that may be something that the Astros could look at, say, in trading a Tony Kemp and, and maybe a mid-level prospect to get somebody like that. I, I really wasn't – I mean, sure, it'd be great if the Astros could get a number three starter to add. But when you think about how you have three good quality starters, even if you got a fourth or a fifth starter, gosh, it'd be, it'd be a help, you know, as long as he at least could pitch okay. I would be fine with that, but I think the bullpen, like you said, is is really even more critical as we get further into the season and then get toward the postseason. So maybe somebody like a Tony Kemp, say packaged with someone else, maybe a mid-level prospect, might go for one of these top relievers or even a a mid-level bullpen guy. Last thoughts on the Astros. I th- I think that covers everything. And you know, in a couple of days, we we might be doing a show, uh, Stephen on uh, what the Astros did. So stay tuned or for that. Or didn't do, whichever the case may be. Yeah. That's right. So Wednesday afternoon's the deadline. Yeah, before we move over to the Texans, if you missed it earlier this week, had a conversation with author Galen White. He shared some really cool stories from his new book, Left on Base in the Bush Leagues. It's interesting, Stephen, because while the book focuses on the wild characters throughout the minors, there was such a huge percentage of it that took place at the ballpark's in these small Texas towns. What's nice is, you know, I barely had to leave the state during my chat with Gail. There was so much meat in there just going on in, in, in the Texas small towns. Yeah, he did cover a lot of the, the Texas uh, players and told some great stories. I, I, I think a couple of my favorites were uh, the pitchers who may have been faster than Nolan Ryan. I mean, who would have thought that? I think there was one who just couldn't control the ball and the other had an injury that kind of shortened his career. and then. There was the guy, I think his name was uh, Joe Taylor, that had a drinking problem. And he was drunk and he hit a pinch hit double that helped win a game, even though he, 
he was like totally inebriated. Yeah, so if you go through that books, there, there's a lot of drinking problems in that book. Well, <laughs> sure. I mean, baseball is full of drinking problems. I mean, you just, you can go back all the way to the beginning, but you know, it just goes to prove so many factors play into whether you get to the majors, whether it's injuries, drinking, you know, some of those players uh, not only didn't make it, but then there were others who got opportunities back in world war two when a lot of the regulars were gone. So yeah, he had some really interesting stories so I, I definitely want to get a whole uh, copy of that book. Yeah. And check the uh, podcast. The other podcast, he, he explains how you can get a discount and it, he mentions his website, which is up in the show description of that podcast. So definitely, if you haven't listened to the Galen White interview and, and he always is real nice with us, comes on our show, he's does national stuff. He's been on the MLB network with his books. He's been on uh, Jeremy Schaap's podcast. So uh, we're lucky to get Galen and just a, a great guy as well. Uh, let, let's move over to the Texans because the Texans start training camp this week, Stephen. The big news, you know, we, we talked about it last week. We were concerned because it looked like, what what's this about J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins are injured and eh, it was all nothing. They seem to be fine. And most everybody is okay at this point, except that the one guy that the big, you know, blank spot and bingo that's missing from the entire Training camp, of course, so far is, is clowny, and that that that's a and he's not even injured. He's he's just holding out. Yeah, that's but, uh, that's what we're waiting for. Is is he's the last guy really that, that they need to get into camp as quickly as possible because you know he had the injuries last year. Or, uh, just uh, we had a lot of stuff going on with the team last year, injury wise, and it, it hurt early in the year. And they can't afford to get off to it. You can't go get off to zero and three starts every year. Let's put it that way. You got to get off to a quicker start than that. Well, and, and I just think, you know, if I if if I were, it's easy for me to say this because I'm not a football player, but, you know, if I were someone like Clowney that really wanted to prove that I deserve an extension, I would I would be in camp and, and I would get into the kind of shape. I mean, I know he says he's in football shape, but uh, you're in conditioning shape, but you're not in football shape till you get out there and start getting hit. You know, to me, this is where I want to come in and prove, hey, you guys messed up. You should have given me a deal a long time ago but he's not in camp. And then if he does come, say, let's say the final week of camp or right before the first regular season game against the Saints, it's going to take him at least a couple, three weeks to get into quote-unquote game shape. So then you're going to start off slow and hope you play catch-up and then have a great season. I, I just don't understand how these guys do that. And then if they have a disappointing year, then if you're the Texans, you feel vindicated because, well, this is why we didn't give you a max deal. You weren't in camp. You weren't in the kind of shape you needed to be in. And going back to the pub list when you were saying, I really wasn't too concerned about it just because if you get on the pup list before the season, you can come off at any time. You can, as, as you saw, they were all off within a couple of days of camp starting. It's after the season, if you're still on there, then you have to worry. You know, Then you're going to be on there for a long period of time. So... I really wasn't too concerned just knowing the injuries that they've come off of. You know they're going to get a lot of rest even during camp. Was J.J. Watt set out the first day of pads, but he was in there the second day. So they're going to rest those guys as much as they can. On the Clowney situation, I, I get it. I, I get it maybe more than your average fan. I understand, you know, he wants to take care of himself. I, I, I get the sort of predicament that these players are in with with that particular situation um these you know you there's no extension and they're, they're franchise tagging you and 
you know, you're worried about your future and you, you don't want to get yourself hurt to hurt you later on. And, and, and also you're wondering just how you're going to manage your way through the year. And I, you know, I get it. We saw what happened with Le'Veon Bell last year. You know, there were definitely things I could understand from, from his perspective, especially as a running back. And you've got such a short right. life and, 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 and a team can just run you into the ground because they know they're not going to sign you at the end of the year. And, and Clowney probably just trying to take care of him. I get it from his situation. I get it from the Texan situation. It, it's really, if there's anybody to blame, if you want to maybe blame somebody, uh, it, it's that last contract, the last you know, players contract with the, with the league. And, you know, I, that, that I think is going to be something that's going to change in the next uh, collective bargaining agreement. I've never really been a fan of the franchise tag thing. I just think that it, there's just too much back and forth. And yeah, as we've seen with Le'Veon Bell and we may or may not see with Clowney, if the teams don't, if, if the teams know they're not going to sign them, why not just trade them at some point and get something for them? Don't let them walk away and not get anything for them. All right, let's let's uh, let's get to some other stuff with the Texans because uh, I think you had a couple of questions uh, as far as, you know, looking towards the season and, and what we need to see here in, the, in the, these training camp battles, right? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm my biggest thing with training camp, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of getting all hyped up about training camp because until you get out on the field and play games, you're just seeing a lot of action. You're seeing a lot of practice action. But one of the things that, has always intrigued me about training camp are the position battles where some are, of course, more of, of a fight than others. And so I had a couple of questions I had here. And the first one is, what's the most intriguing position battle during training camp? Well, I'm going to say I'm, the, I'm most intrigued by the sign. I know it's not the sexiest position battle that you might think of, but I'm going to go with a punter. I'm going to go out of the box a little bit. Because, you know, they brought in Brian Anger as competition for uh, Trevor Daniel, who came in last year. Brad Seeley, he did this when he brought Daniel in to compete with Shane Leckler. And Daniel ended up winning the job over a veteran, a rookie over a veteran. Now, uh, Anger, you know, he's coming in with about a 45-yard average. He's had 15 punts inside the 20. At Daniel's average, about a 43.7 last year with 36 inside the 20. Like I said, maybe not the sexiest battle in the world, but... Maybe something worth watching, and who knows? Maybe the anger, in this case, the veteran, can depose the rookie. Yeah, I was looking through the position battles, and it's hard to find one, at least among the starters, that's super interesting. Because if you look at it, the offense, I think you took offensive line off the table, correct? Well, that was actually my next question is the position of most concern. But you, I guess you could put it in the intriguing battle. Uh, I, I, I took offensive line off position of most concern because everybody's talking about it. But yeah, I thought the question was, which is the most intriguing position battle? And you would take an offensive line off the table. Now, I took the offensive line. My next question was the position of most concern that, that we have. But because, off- you, because yeah. offensive line is, you know, all the intriguing battles are on the offensive line because at tight yes, end, I think definitely. Jordan Thomas right now probably has the lead for for uh, starter at this point, uh, wide receiver, you know, the, always the big if, if in capital letters with these guys, but it, it would be QT, Fuller, and Hopkins. So that's easy, obviously, to change your quarterback. Defensive line, maybe one of the edges is going to be interesting. 
uh, with with Reader and J.J. Watt and Les Clowney. They they finally decide they're they're going to call him an edge defensive lineman. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to remember what the, what the deal was because there was a big battle on that uh, when they franchise tagged him. Uh, so whoever that other guy is, whether it, it's it, if Clowney's playing linebacker and and it's the defensive end, or if he's the edge guy and it's the other linebacker, because we know the middle linebackers are going to be Zach Cunningham and Bernardrick McKinney and Whitney Merciless. And if you look at the secondary, you know, the the, the safeties, it's it's a given. It's Justin Reed and uh, Tayshawn Gibson, uh, J. Joe, and I would assume the cornerback. I mean, it's I doubt very seriously that Lonnie Johnson, the second round pick, can win a rookie cornerback. You know, even a, a second round pick, I don't see as a starter week one in a Bill O'Brien led NFL team. Uh, so I, I would have to guess if we're talking about running back, you'd have to look at the free agent uh, that they picked up this year, um, Bradley Roby. So there, there is no, to me, major position battle, except that whoever that, you know, sort of whatever position it is, that's going to be uh, over by Clowney on that, on that one side of the defensive line. Uh, the punter, if that intrigues anybody, I guess it's, it is a position battle, but uh, yeah, the offensive line, it's, I have no idea. Nick Martin, the one guy that you were just kind of putting in in pen, and I don't know if he should be put in in pen because he's very below average as a center so far, but he hasn't been playing because he's been hurt. And they're still missing snaps, if you've noticed. I think the, the first couple of days of camp, Deshaun was still missing some snaps. So it's not helping <laughs> having him out. Is there one position on the offensive line that you could say is a lock cinch? I, I, I would say the the one the one position is at uh, at guard. Yeah, I think the guards are solidified. The, the left tackle certainly is wide open. I think. I, I don't know if Kelamente's solid. Maybe not. Maybe not. But I, I the left tackle is certainly up in the air. I think with Chantrell Henderson coming back, you've got Khalil Mack trying to come back. Um, so that, that might be an end. Of course, Julian Davenport, that if you're talking about intriguing battles, yeah, the offensive line would be intriguing to me, especially the left tackle position, because that is just so much needed right now. Somebody needs to step up. You know, they got Titus Howard playing some guard. I saw this week. Yeah, they're going, they're, they're kind of giving him a taste of both a guard and left tackle. So yeah, he's going to be, he's in the mix for left tackle as well. Uh, which I, I don't know if that's a good idea or not, putting so much on his plate at first, but at least it, it seems like in the first few days of camp, he's looked pretty good. Any other Texan stuff that you saw this week that caught your eye? Well, my other question was the position of most concern besides the offensive line, because we've been talking about that for several years. But for me, it's cornerback because, yeah, you have Jonathan Joseph. You know he's going to be there, but he's a year older. So does that mean he's going to be a step slower? And Bradley Roby's come in, but he had a disappointing season in Denver last year. He's coming off a hamstring injury during the offseason. But he has experience. He's on a one-year prove-it-yourself contract. So maybe that can ignite him, you know, kind of the way it did Tyron Matthew last year. But behind him, yeah, you mentioned Lonnie Johnson. He's looked good in camp, but he hasn't played in a real game yet. And, Robert, I mean, if you look at the schedule and how many quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks we're going to be facing for this next season – Man, I, I just I hope somebody can step up at cornerback and and really shore up that secondary. 
Yeah. Do we need to go over that quarterback list again that the that these cornerbacks are going to be facing? Because it's no joke. It's no, no joke. It is not. You're starting off the very first game on Monday night against Drew Brees. I mean, come on, really? I talk about an indoctrination. Uh, but, you know, we didn't face a whole lot of top-flight elite quarterbacks last year when we got torched. So I, I just, I'm just really uneasy about the secondary in general, but especially a cornerback this year. Yeah, well, I mean, the cornerback's been a concern for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, we're, you just bank on Jonathan Joseph. You know, he's 35, and he's going to be fine and healthy. Lonnie Johnson's going to play this year, and I, I, I get the feeling he's going to play a lot because – you figure J. Joe will probably get hurt at some point and you always need extra cornerbacks. Aaron Colvin, that's another thing to watch. He's He's got to have a bounce back season. Yeah, he's getting paid all that money and he had a very disappointing season last season. Now, supposedly, he's come into camp with a new attitude. I think he, he said some things that he didn't handle the situation well last year when he was that healthy scratch in the playoff game that uh, he kind of got a big attitude about it and didn't adjust to being on a new team as much. Well, you know, of course he's saying the right things, but he's going to have to prove it on the field this year because they're paying him a lot of money to do that. So, yeah, he's definitely got to step up. I was trying to pull it up uh, as we were talking, and, and I finally got got the uh, info up, the quarterbacks that they were facing, and, and here here's their opponents uh, to start the season, the quarterbacks that they're going to be facing and I'm going to just give him to you, bang, bang, bang. Drew Brees, future Hall of Famer. Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP. Phillip Rivers, future Hall of Famer. Cam Newton, 2015 MVP. Matt Ryan, 2016 MVP. Matt, Pat Mahomes, 2018 MVP. Uh, Andrew Luck, four-time Pro Bowler. Derek Carr, three-time Pro Bowler. Well, you know, it's Derek, still Derek Carr. Maybe that's a that's an off week. But then you got Nick Foles again. Uh, Lamar Jackson, which like a whole other... Weird thing. You have no idea what to expect from a Lamar Jackson. You got Andrew Luck again. And then, you know, you get a week off because you got in week 12, it's just Tom Brady, six Super Bowl titles. That's uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Noel, all I can say, Robert, is I'm glad I'm not playing quarterback, aren't you? Uh, it's going to be <laughs> yeah. A, yeah. a mess. I'll sit this one out. I'll sit out next year. I'll, they can, they can franchise, franchise tag me. And I'll just sit out and not play cornerback next year facing those guys. Well, we're looking forward to uh, what's going to happen with the Astros in the trade market. Maybe some more uh, Texans news. Uh, boy, the preseason game's really not that long uh, from now. So that's coming up quickly. And, you know, I, I want to tease this a little bit. I mentioned uh, last week, um, earlier this week, I talked to Dale Robertson. And I have a long conversation. It's It's almost an hour and a half, I believe. But wow. it's going to speed by, and it's this incredible. Uh, just we talk about his career. Um, we talk about you know who he's covered. You know, forty six years covering Houston sports now, and 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 it's just uh, remarkable. You know what's happened over the course of his, of his entire career. So uh, you guys can definitely look forward to that, uh, Stephen. It's been great. Well, let's do this. Maybe we do this again in a few days when we got some more news on the Astros. Well, that's right. We'll see what happens on Wednesday. And Robert, do you realize that we just went an entire show without mentioning the Rockets even once? How about that? I mean, what was the last time other than the guests you've interviewed when you've done the general topic kind of open discussions like what we're doing? When was the last time that you didn't mention the Rockets? 
And it's a little bit of a credit to the Rockets. They they, they picked up some some minor bench guys, and, and we'll get into that at some point. But it, it's partly just this NBA. You just got to give the NBA credit because they've turned it into nearly a ten month a year, eleven month a year league, and that's pretty much that's pretty incredible. And uh, Major League Baseball might be able to take a tip a little bit from the NBA's off season. Uh, the NFL. Uh, it's only so much you can only stretch it so they 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 do everything they can to stretch it it's it's hard though but uh that's all we got for this one uh we'll talk to you again really soon look 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 for that dale robertson interview coming up you're not going to want to miss that you're listening to houston sports talk don't forget to follow houston sports talk on facebook and twitter subscribe to us on itunes spotify the google podcast app or the stitcher app You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.